Welcome everybody and hello to my um, listeners and hello to everybody who is listening in the ether where around wherever in the world you may well be. Uh, delighted to wel uh, welcome Jeremy Dalton from PwC today. Hi everyone. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Jeremy, well we're going to talk about um, XR, extended reality, which is around VR and AR. Um, Jeremy is the head of VR and AR at PwC. He's also the author of his new book, which is coming out in January of next year, I believe, um, yep. Reality Check, a book about extended reality in business. So enough about me. Jeremy, over to you, your story. Uh, you started out life as an auditor. So how does an auditor move into the world of VR and, and AR within an accounting firm? It's, uh, it's, it's a funny journey, Alex. Um, so I did start my life uh, in the audit practice in PwC. And that was back in uh, 2011. And um, it was only ever meant to be a six month training period because originally I had applied to do work in the business recovery practice of the firm. Not that that makes it any easier to understand the connection to virtual reality, <laughs> but uh, it helps to understand the how I jumped from audit to business recovery after a six month um, trial period. Now, while I was in business recovery, I did uh, an accountancy qualification. So technically, I'm a chartered accountant as well, uh, which confuses things even further. <laughs> but basically, what happened is I spent about two, two and a half years in business recovery. Uh, and it was very, uh, it was a very engaging sort of role. Um, it was very uh, uh, exciting. It was very interesting. No two days were the same. And um, that kept me that kept me engaged, um, but after about, it was two and a two and a half years, I wanted to do something that was more closely related to my area of passion, which was technology. Mm -hmm. Now, in um, uh, in PwC, there are so many different teams and groups and, uh, and all sorts of people doing all sorts of things. So naturally, they did actually have a technology practice at the time. Mm -hmm. And even more interesting to me, they had a budding emerging technologies practice. So I made... Uh, I made a, a contact there, got introduced to the head of the emerging technologies practice at the time. And um, I was so taken in by their work and really keen to, to work with them that I started doing bits and pieces in my spare time for that, that team. Mm -hmm. So I would be a business recovery consultant by day and uh, <laughs> an emerging technologies consultant by night. And eventually this resulted in, uh, in me joining the team when one of their team members um, had left and uh, they found a, a, an opportunity elsewhere in a different part of the world and so they had a space and I was the first person on their mind because I had been helping them out for a while then uh, so I slotted in quite nicely and while I was there I got involved in all sorts of stuff I got involved in innovation around different emerging technologies so I was looking at artificial intelligence virtual reality augmented reality blockchain you know all that good stuff Mm -hmm. But um, I felt that I wanted to add even more value by focusing on a particular area. So I started to look at all of these different technologies and virtual reality and augmented reality were these two technologies very closely related were the ones that I felt would have a significant impact on both our personal and professional lives. So I started pushing in that direction. I started using my spare time um, at that point to uh, explore the technologies, to, uh, to purchase them, to experience them, uh, to build, you know, basic applications for them, to try out other people's applications, to speak to the community, 
to speak on behalf of the community at small talks here or there. So slowly I built a brand in the virtual reality and augmented reality space. And uh, long story short, in September 2017, after many years of campaigning in PwC, they finally gave me the, the remit to, uh, to take on the role of leading a virtual reality and augmented reality practice in the firm, which I'm very happy to say that today is, is flourishing beautifully. Uh, we've got a, a large team of in-house developers, 3D artists, um, animators, 360 video production and post-production capability, as well as our business consultants that specialize in the technology. And we do projects all over the world with clients in different industries. So it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind ride around different uh, routes through the firm, but it's been a fun one. And um, I guess what what makes me stay at the firm is I have a good team. Um, I am I have faith in leadership, and I enjoy the culture of the firm most of all. So it's a good it's a great base, and uh, virtual reality and augmented reality is my passion area. So I kind of have all the boxes checked, and I'm very very lucky uh, in that in that from that point of view. That is awesome to hear, and being a former a former employee of PwC as well, I can absolutely you know test. It's a great firm to uh, to work for for a great culture. It's great to you know see that they've allowed people like you to flourish and develop the the, the passion and our practice group around VR and AI. And you know, if you said that to me when I was at the firm ten years ago, I probably would have gone VR VR what? That's the lawnmower man, isn't it? <laughs> um, talking uh, talking of of all of this then let's kind of get into the get into this for, for the listeners who may not necessarily truly understand the difference between vr and ar in, in layman's terms what's virtual reality and what's augmented reality so virtual reality is all about immersing you in a completely different environment or time and augmented reality is about information it's about overlaying information on top of your real world or physical environment. And the ways that you consume both of those technologies can be very different. So you can experience virtual reality on a headset or a head mounted display. You can experience uh, virtual reality through a, um, a projection system around your, uh, on the four walls and the ceiling and the floor of the room you're in. You can experience augmented reality through a headset but you can also experience augmented reality through a handheld device like a mobile phone or tablet. Uh, so there are lots of different ways of consuming the technology, but ultimately the best way of defining it, I find, is in terms of what the objectives of the technology are. And virtual reality is for immersion, augmented reality is about information. That's interesting. I've never had it explained that way. And I think this, that's just a really nice, simple way to, to actually um, explain it. I've always tried to be you know, virtual reality. Yes, I kind of get that. AR has always been, that's, that's a really nice word. information overlay in terms of what you're, uh, you're already seeing. That, that's, I think that's really great. And so what led you to, to want to write the, the book? And it says here that you will five areas that you will uh, cover off in, in the book. So an understanding of VR and AR applications in business, data for academic and corporate studies on the, the subject, common misconceptions, which are discussed and debunked, debunked, how to mitigate challenges when deploying, and a beginner's guide to creating 360, 360 video. And number six, I should say, insights on why now is the right time for VR and AR. So what do you want to pick out of those in terms of, was any of those the, the reason to write the book or was it, I want to write a book because I want to become a best-selling author? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think I ever had uh, visions of becoming a best-selling author. And even now uh, about, 
a month and a week away from selling the book. I, I still don't have such visions, <laughs> but I am hoping that uh, that the people who pick up the book will perhaps learn something that they didn't know before, particularly around how pervasive and how valuable these technologies are in a business context. Okay. So loads of people have, have heard of virtual reality and augmented reality from the perspective of entertainment and media, from you know video games, um, from the perspective of, let's say, you know, leisure time, basically, mm -hmm. a yeah. fun thing. But what I'm trying to explain in this book is that actually virtual reality is that, but also more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, the entertainment side of things is really the tip of the iceberg. Below the waterline, the massive amount of applications and um, contrib contribution to the, the global economy of virtual reality and augmented reality comes from their applications in business. So to give you a few examples there, you can use virtual reality from a training perspective. You can use augmented reality to help you to perform a task on a, on a piece of machinery that you've never used before. You can use virtual reality to, um, uh, to, to put you in a different environment so you can supervise, let's say, the construction uh, of, of a new home or a new office or, or, or whatever the site is. You can use both technologies to help your teams around the world come together in a shared space, what feels like a shared experience and shared space to make changes to, let's say, in the automotive industry, a vehicle. You're looking yeah. at the latest latest vehicle design. It's there in front of you in digital form and it's one to one scale and you can go over and open the virtual doors. Uh, you can sit in the vehicle. You can put your hands on the steering wheel and get an idea of of all the control systems and how far it is to, you know, stretch your hand to the buttons on the dashboard, what field of view you can see in the windscreen, all of this sort of stuff, which which without this technology would have required, and this is, this is a true story from the automotive industry, would have required someone to create a clay model of that vehicle. Right. Um, and that, that, that whole process takes a long, a long time. It costs a lot of money. And the only way of getting around that is to present a 3D model on a screen. But imagine how much more limiting that is, presenting a 3D model on a small screen that is obviously not one-to-one -one scale versus being able to actually walk around the vehicle in your own environment or in a virtual environment at a one-to-one -one scale and collaborate with people from all over the world who are doing the same thing to then speed up the process and effectively result in bringing that product to market much more quickly and much more inexpensively. So there's, there's, there's loads of applications and really, Again, that is just a few of them to illustrate the power of VR and AR. There are many, many more. Is there a because while you know hearing you talk around you know automotive manufacturing, you know huge amounts of money invested in um, in that, and therefore um, you know even though the car industry didn't necessarily the biggest margins in the world and so on, and moving to electric and all that kind of fun stuff. But if you're a I don't know, a, a small to medium sized business and you're thinking about, let's say you uh, training and I have noticed on one of your, your earlier blogs around actually immersive training and how that can be that's stickier versus maybe kind of th this environment we're in now. How, how easy is it to, for, for an organization to just kind of spin up um, a virtual reality kind of training <laughs> center um, per se. What sort of things do they need to think about from a technology standpoint, um, a costing standpoint, supporting tools and tools and services, etc.? 
so I'm not going to lie, it's not a super simple process, but no, no major uh, transformation program or, or IT program, investment program in an organization ever is. No. And, and virtual reality is no different. For it to be a, for it to have a significant effect on the organization, they're going to have to invest some time and some money in and, and buy into that solution. But on the same at the same time, it doesn't need to be super expensive either. One of the great things that uh, that we advocate about in PwC, and I and I mention it in this book as well, is you can start small. You don't have to go from not using virtual reality at all to suddenly having every single employee, you know, in your organization using it for training purposes. You can start with let's say one team in one division, 10, 20, 50 people, that sort of range test it out with them mm -hmm. and then off that that little experiment that little trial or pilot you can understand you know what are the issues we, we faced on that did it really hit home if it didn't why didn't it um, how much did we spend based on that how much are we realistically expecting to spend if we rolled this out further from that information you can actually build a significant and accurate business case to then help you take the investment to the next level or alternatively if it's proven that it hasn't worked, it's still a win for you because you've tested out a new technology which which had some potential which you wanted to explore, mm -hmm. but it didn't work and perhaps it needs to be iterated on. But if it if you absolutely after that see that it just can't work for whatever reason, then you've learned something at least without having to invest millions and millions of dollars on a program with a large, large amount of people that was destined to fail. So even that is a win in itself. Absolutely. And do you need, you know, the full on Oculus Rift kind of headsets in order to, to kind of start this? Or can you use, I've seen, you know, the cardboard kind of cut out things you, you put your phone into and kind of <laughs> hold it up like that, kind of what have you yeah, to get the yeah. sense of what's what? So there are many different types of, of headsets out there. Um, and I'd say starting from the beginning, there is, there's the cardboard style headsets mm -hmm. and uh, they're either they're either literally made of cardboard with, with lenses glued into them where you can shove your phone yep. and get a, a rudimentary virtual reality experience. And I'd say the next level up is a standalone headset, which doesn't require any other, any other sort of materials, phones, computers, sensors. It's just, you put it on your head, you take your controllers in your hands and you're ready to go basically. One, the next level up from that is a more powerful system which actually is not standalone. It's called a tethered system and it requires a, a computer or a console to run, basically some external computing system mm -hmm. to run. Now, those tend to be a little bit more complicated. You sometimes need um, external sensors to track how you're moving um, and uh, they require you to be cabled up most of the time to, uh, to a PC. There are some solutions to get around that with wireless um, connections but it tends to be uh, it tends to get quite complicated very quickly now i'd say each of those serves different purposes a lot of people discount the cardboard style headsets and i have to agree for most cases in businesses you're not going to want to use cardboard headsets or the plastic equivalents because mm -hmm. they're generally not durable enough um they generally are they're difficult to uh, to build for because you have to cater to everyone's mobile phone and they're difficult to deploy as a result as well. Um, and uh, and yeah, so the next level up though is the standalone headsets. 
Now those are quite nice because they're right in the middle. They're not super powerful, but they're good enough in a lot of cases to provide you with a powerful training experience or whatever it is you're trying to uh, you're trying to build. So that is that that solution in the middle tends to be the one that uh, that we champion as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then on the on the other end of the spectrum, the the tethered headsets, they tend to be they're more complicated, but they are more powerful. Sometimes it does make sense to use them. So for example, uh, NASA uh, is working uh, with a Finnish virtual reality headset manufacturer called Varia. Now that they have a top of the line sort of very high end uh, headset which uh, the reason they're using it is because it's so powerful and it allows you such a clarity of view that those astronauts can actually read the text labels on the buttons of the spacecraft they're training to use. Wow. So you can't do that in all of these virtual reality headsets particularly not at the the middle or lower level. So you yeah. need that high end power to be able to conduct that sort of uh, training. So I would say in summary cardboard generally not used in business however there are there is one actual um use case i've seen where it works very well and that's in the research space because you can send them out in the in the post box yeah. get people to open them up they only need to spend a, a minute in there to have a look around and answer a survey yeah. works perfectly for that on the other end the really powerful stuff to be used in really sort of high end and necessary applications like astronaut <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and then in the middle you've got uh, the standalone headsets which should work for a lot of business cases and they're being used a lot in business nowadays and so what in terms of tr- you know training again kind of in my my world professional services you know in terms of what i do training is a, is it's a blend of kind of share screen but push and buttons how to but it's also as much kind of the knowledge transfer and behavior change so it's actually getting people to shift their thinking and their, their thought processes can and i think you know covid in the world the, the world that we're now in you know historically i've been on site with clients in a classroom and it's been a real kind of journey for me to kind of how do you create an an immersive but engaging environment in zoom or teams which is really really hard to do i've operated operated 150 energy levels all the time which is which yeah is yeah how, how do you believe that as we move through this into what the future holds where is this going to become just part and parcel of large organizations that can see it working and invest in it this will just become part of classroom training do you believe so i i believe so but i would also say that we are not going to see the end of classroom training or e-learning yeah. uh, despite what uh, despite the sort of results uh, we may see from various studies mm-hmm. in fact we released the study and I, and i don't know if um, if uh, you caught it but it was around the effectiveness of virtual reality for soft skills training yeah so we conducted training on the same subject so inclusivity mm-hmm. um, in the workplace and we already had an e-learn and a classroom version available which we were running with uh, with PwC staff then we built using the same content a virtual reality equivalent for those learners and we studied the differences between all three groups mm-hmm. and what we found is that VR learners were four times faster to train than in the classroom they were 275% more confident to apply the skills they learned after their training 3.75 times more emotionally connected to the content than classroom learners and four times more focused than their e-learning peers so despite that however it's important to recognize that virtual reality is not 
the the, the silver bullet training solution in all cases. Yeah. It works very well for soft skills training, mm -hmm. and it works quite well for practical skills training as well, hard skills. Yeah. Um, but for for a lot of things where uh, perhaps you need um, a a classroom uh, based environment for whatever reason, or an e learning environment where it's good enough, let's say. Uh, to do it via e-learning, uh, that's absolutely fine. There's no need to replace that and go to the effort of implementing a VR training system when those methods will suffice mm -hmm. um, and in many cases may be cheaper. So it depends on your organization how many how many people you're looking to train as well. Because from a cost perspective, we also found that virtual reality uh, can be more cost effective, but at scale. Right. So okay. At, yeah. At the very beginning, like when you have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 learners, yeah. virtual reality is more expensive per yeah. learner than both classroom and e-learning. But as you go up, you know, as you go to 100, 200, at 375 learners, VR training actually becomes uh, the same cost per learner as, the cl as classroom training. Hmm. And at 1,950 learners, VR training achieves cost parity with e-learning. But again, you have to be the type of organization yeah. that is ready to implement the training at that level. And virtual reality has to be the right medium for the type of training you're trying to run mm -hmm. um, to be to be useful. So I wouldn't necessarily advocate uh, virtual reality for, um, for risk-based training, for example, uh, in PwC, where a lot of it requires an understanding of, um, of compliance, of regulation yeah. out in the market. And there's not necessarily particular scenarios to apply it to very strongly you could create scenarios but you know there's can would we be able to see the the return on investment of doing that i'm not sure yet we haven't done that study but i would imagine it wouldn't be as strong as as soft skills training and uh, and practical skills training it's back to the old adage don't use tech for tech's sake <laughs> you know, exactly use exactly. tech where tech is going to enable you to do things more effectively and more and more, more efficiently but don't do it i remember back in my law firm days we need an app why do we yeah. need an app? Well, I don't know. We just need an app to do this. The customers want an app. I'm like, really? Are you sure? I don't think so. No one's really asking for an app. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, AR then. So AR is kind of that over that information overlay in in the real world. So Pokemon Go is the one that kind of springs to mind in terms of from an entertainment perspective when this blew up kind of um, uh, properly. And then we were chatting about my daughter's Lego, hidden Lego, where you build a little Lego model, get their app, and then it comes to life on on, on that side of things. But AR, again, from a business context, I, I'm yet to wrap my head around how that might might work. So no doubt you will, you, you will enlighten me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you can use AR in so many different ways. So I, I mentioned augmented reality from a potential collaboration perspective. Mm -hmm. You can also use augmented reality from a remote assistance perspective. Okay. So in other words, not needing to have a senior individual in, a, in an organization uh, there with you face to face or face-to-face -face with every single you know, field worker, for example, to tell them how to do something because you can remotely connect in and see through their field of view what they're looking at and actually annotate on their environment all the the cables they need to to to, to cut or pull away the uh, the plugs they need to they need to plug things into uh, all of that is just really um, really powerful as a, as a use case for augmented reality. The other thing I'd say is augmented reality can be used as a research tool, so it can be used to help understand how are consumers uh, using 
different products or how do they find the branding on different products so as you know when you're walking through a store and you you pick up a, mm-hmm. a can of baked beans let's say and there are two different brandings on it you're like which one do you find most engaging you okay. can actually use your own mobile phone to put that can of baked beans on your table and then see can a and can b and then answer the question well i prefer can b you know that that one catches my eye more so it can be used from a consumer research perspective it can be used from a a, a marketing and advertising perspective and this is really cool because especially now during covid and lockdown we're not able to visit stores as often mm-hmm. as as we'd like but using augmented reality those vendors those retailers can actually bring some of these products into our physical environment and help us envisage how they would fit within our real world mm-hmm. so for example if i were looking to buy a a laptop or a printer or a coffee machine or a sofa i could use my mobile phone and bring those items at a one to one scale and put them you know the coffee the coffee machine on my kitchen counter i could put the laptop on my table i could put the sofa in my living room so it helps to uh, to encourage consumers to be more confident with those purchases very cool very cool i mean in terms of i've seen it from a marketing perspective we i can't remember forgive me the shows how marketing works right but it's a brand of what australian wine um based on um uh, criminals from way back when and then you download the app and then you hold it and then the, the criminal he comes to life and starts telling the story of his story and the wine the that was wine 19 the... crimes wasn't it yeah exactly that's the one yeah exactly. yeah 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 um yeah very, no, that very... was good i, I remember yeah. that yeah it, it brings it, it to life a little bit I think that um, I think I- IKEA are now doing that. We can put your sofa in here and, and absolutely, yeah. And IKEA that. Place is the application that they have released for that uh, functionality. And then I'm guessing, in terms of like in the field examples that you were giving, that and as I'm thinking about it, it makes sense. Would they they wear like a Google a Google Glass or a, um, was it the Microsoft Hololens types of? So you do need to be wearing some kind of lens, as it were. Usually, it would you would wear a head-mounted display. You can yeah. use a mobile phone, but the reason you mostly see it. You mostly see field workers wearing the head-mounted display version, is because then it keeps their hands nice. free, yeah, to to be able to perform the tasks that you're trying to perform instead of you know holding up a a mobile to the to the scene and then you know trying to hold your mobile while performing the action. It's just okay. a bit awkward that way. Indeed. And have you since since lockdown? We can't escape it, right? Since co- since kind of COVID and the pan the pandemic. When we were recording this, the twenty third of uh, November, twenty twenty. Um, have you seen an increase in client inquiries around how can we use the course in you know, everything we everything we've talked about? Has there been an increase in, in inquiries around this for, for, for you and PwC, the PwC team to, to help businesses? Eventually there was, but I'd say at the very beginning in, in March and a little bit of April, we actually received a, uh, a massive downturn in inquiries. And I suspect that was because businesses were you know quite shocked by the, you know, the, yeah. the, the massive change and the transformation that they would then need to undertake within their organizations not not necessarily from a technological perspective but just from a ways of working perspective and getting to grips yeah. with that it took a bit of time so i don't think they had any mind space to think mm-hmm. about you know innovative solutions like virtual reality and augmented reality but when the dust settled after that period we then started to receive the inquiries again uh, and then it led to an increase uh, it eventually uh, superseded Right. the amount of inquiries we had received pre-pandemic so eventually it did increase uh, interest in the technology but only after going through an initial downturn probably due to a shock factor yeah in, 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 indeed 
And um, so your book, when your book is out uh, worldwide, no less, uh, 3rd of January, no, forgive me, I haven't written a book, more than, more than I've ever done, um, 3rd of January 2021 available. Yeah, that's right. Everywhere, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's 3rd, 3rd of January, it will be available outside of the US and Canada. Okay. Uh, and it's actually 28th of January that they will, the US and Canada version will release. Fantastic. I'll add the link to um, your blog post uh, to this uh, this podcast and vlog um, uh, afterwards. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Jeremy, what's the weirdest kind of VR, AR kind of request or thing that you've you, you've had someone ask you, keeping it clean, of course? Um, what's, what's, the, what's the strangest kind of request or the strangest, um, I guess, use of it that you've, um, you've seen? Yeah. So I had I had a fairly amusing request uh, where someone wanted to use virtual reality to to train their their Salesforce uh, team. Okay. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Salesforce is a customer relationship management platform. It's like a database of customers, mm-hmm. and you access it on on your web browser. Oh, I see. So, now, talk, so they wanted to train. So we're talking the CRM system. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. So they they wanted to use virtual reality to train how to use a web-based customer relationship dashboard. And I thought, what? I, I, had to, I had to figure out the, the kindest and politest way to reject that request because it was just never gonna work. And it would be, I, I could see the ending then and there and it would be disastrous. Yeah. So I wanted to stop them before they got on that journey. And thankfully they did, they they, they listened the and they pursued other directions, yeah, yeah. But that's definitely the most amusing one, let's say, that I've heard. Yeah, that feels like the, the knee-jerk reaction. We need VR to do this. Exactly. No, Just like the app thing you were talking about before. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, affording uh, your time to, today. Really, really appreciate it. I know no, that, you know, there's obviously way more to this than we um, uh, that we touched on. But I was just keen to get you on just to kind of start the conversation because I believe that you know, this this is the way the world is going. And so looking at my five-year-old daughter in terms of how she interacts with you know Google and Netflix and the TV, let alone now her AR um, uh, AR Lego. Um, but where can people find you, Jeremy? Where's the best people to connect with you? So you can connect to me probably on LinkedIn would be quite good. Um, okay. If you if you search for uh, Jeremy Dalton PwC, that will take you to my profile. Um, and then Twitter, if you want, uh, my handle is Jeremy Dalton XR. Perfect. I will add all those links to uh, this vlog and uh, this uh, this podcast. But Jeremy, thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Alex. Thank you for having me. No worries. And to all my listeners, again, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do I do appreciate it. As ever, if there's anybody on, uh, anybody on, if there's anybody who you think should be on this podcast, blimey, get a grip, Alex. Um, let me know. Drop me, uh, drop me a link. Otherwise, um, enjoy the rest of the day wherever you may be in the world.